Today's episode is very interesting. Uh, reason being, it has one of those words that I personally often use when I'm talking when I'm chatting with someone, especially the guys. The word bro, brother, you know. We find ourselves using it many times, especially when we are addressing or referring to a guy, a dude, a male friend. But this isn't something that I can say we mean every time we say because you know a brother is like someone we share parents with or let's say DNA for that matter. But it is widely accepted as you know, the common word or should I say environment or it's like a tag, it's like a title you give to that male friend. <laughs> and actually it's very easy for us guys to use it in the sense that even if I met someone at a conference, at some kind of meeting or even if I came across this guy and we exchanged numbers, I'm going to easily call them bro. Hey bro, how are you doing? And they did respond, hey bro, I'm doing well. Like we're not brothers, okay? We don't share parents or anything, but because it's very easy to use. Many people phrase it a different way, bro, a brother, bra, and any other way. But when it comes down to the real meaning of the word brother, it goes just beyond the word itself. It goes just beyond someone I just acquainted with, someone I just met. It does. It means more than just uh, a male friend, a close male friend, I should say. In relation to the Bible itself, whenever, especially in the New Testament, the author writes and talks about a brother, a brother or a sister. This has a particular meaning. It doesn't necessarily, uh, not all the times, it actually addresses your right, uh, your DNA brother, your real blood brother. Let's dive into it today. You're welcome to the Bishua Podcast. And hey, congratulations. We are on episode 7 out of 8. So that means after this episode, we have only one to call it a wrap with our past episodes. Thank you so much. Let's dive into today's message. And so uh, it's possible that probably uh, we haven't been well versed with uh, the scripture we're dealing with, the guiding verse we are following through as we're studying uh, the path. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 5 to 7 and this is what it says. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly affection, to brotherly affection and selfish love. If you're listening to this episode and you've been following through right from the very first one that I published, 
the world's excellence, faith, knowledge, of culture, perseverance, godliness, and brotherly affection, selfish and selfish love, aren't new to your ears. We've said them before. And unlike for the last two, the six I've mentioned are episodes you have listened to or that you've been following lately. One of the things I want to remind us is that Apostle Peter writes this and encourages us make every effort to add to to add. Now this should make us understand that it isn't the path isn't something you do and say I am done. I have it in plenty. I have enough of the faith. I don't need to exercise my excellence anymore. I have enough knowledge. So control is just my middle name. Perseverance is everywhere you go. All godliness. It has to keep on increasing. That's why he says make every effort to add to your to your and so on and so forth. So to our godliness he says let's add brotherly affection. Brotherly love, if I should explain, if I should put it that way. Alright. Now, brotherly affection or brotherly love, uh, it comes from the Greek word in verse 7 of this very uh, chapter. And it's Philadelphia. Now, we could know Philadelphia as a name of a different country or some place. And you might be saying, really? Is that from Greek? That's a no. That place also derives its name from the Greek word Philadelphia. And Philadelphia just means the love or affection someone has for family. And let's say, what words or phrases would you use to you know, describe what that looks like in your family? Maybe let's try to get it that way. When you talk about love for family, uh, words like care, protection, to watch out for a family bond, having someone's best interests at heart, unity, mutual care. There is a number of words that come to mind when someone speaks of family or love for family. Now, if all those things can be true in a human family, how much more should that be true of the Christian family? And with, uh, when I say Christian family, I'm talking about the whole uh, community of fellow believers in Jesus Christ. The bond between us as Christians, the believers, should even be stronger, even bit more than that between the human relatives. And this is not just a Caleb say so, it is actually Jesus Christ who says this. If you could not down uh, look, chapter 14 verse 26 it says this is jesus if anyone comes to me and does not face his own father and mother in wife and children and brothers and sisters and even his own life he cannot be my disciple this is shocking but hey before you get into that after shock listen Jesus wasn't trying to advocate for hate or throwing away our responsibilities towards our families. No, he wasn't actually trying to tell us, go hate your father, your mother, your... No, 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 no. 
And we cannot use this as you know, justification to say, I want to serve God, so family, you ain't telling me anything. I'm going to serve、uh, Christ. Even he says it in the law, I have to hate you all and then serve him. No. We need to get the disclaimer here. Jesus was trying to put more emphasis on the spiritual family over the blood family that we have. And if you get to understand what、uh, the original manuscripts and the original interpretation is trying to talk about here is your love towards your family, your love towards your culture, the people around you, you know, should even,、uh, it shouldn't be more than the love you have for him. Because as a disciple, when he was talking about it, talking to his disciples, he had to make them understand this is going to cost you more than your family even needs. I mean, even in the Bible itself, we don't see many scenarios of then Jesus' disciple went back to his wife, then he went to his brothers and sisters, then he attended to his children. Most of the times they were with. Jesus Christ 24/7. Most times they were with Jesus Christ. And this has to remind us that the day you choose to believe and follow Christ, to serve Christ, it has to be the number one priority.、Yeah. Uh, and then、uh, when we look at Matthew 12, 49-50, it's pointing towards his disciples and saying, This is Jesus. Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This, is, this says in a scenario when someone comes rushing and tells him, hey, something about his family, turns back and tells him, no, no, no. Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Again, this isn't to tell us that the people you meet at church are your only family members, your mother, brother, sister, do not matter. No. Like I've explained, it, is,、uh, it all goes down to where you put your priority, where you put you know, your best interest. It should be with Christ. This isn't something easy to get over or to you know, fathom in your mind, but with time, it comes easy. Brotherly affection is all about building up Jesus' family. That is the church. And by building up the church, I'm not talking about constructing a place of worship. No. Building each other up. And in 1 Thessalonians 5 11, I would love us to know these verses. If you missed、uh, the first two, kindly go back to Wild and be able to know them. They are very important as you understand this. He says, Encourage one another and build up each other just as you are in half doing. You know, this, the Apostle Paul writes and is encouraging this church in Thessalonica. They've already been doing it and he's telling them to please continue doing it. Encourage one another. Build up each other just as you have been doing. Now, when we go to church, when you find someone in church as a Christian, as a believer, those aren't just、uh, you know, random people, those shouldn't just be strangers. They ought to have a name in your life. Everything you do in church, everything you do in your work as a Christian, how is it impacting? That person you met in church. 
Now, giving and serving are ways that we can do this, I mean that we can build the church. But any believer can and should give and serve. That doesn't necessarily mean we're living out in brotherly affection. And then we can't jump from step one to seven. We can't jump from faith and then you say all the way up to now I've become a Christian. I've gone to step seven, brotherly affection. And this isn't even done by just joining a church ministry team or putting uh, money in a giving envelope. No. Peter, the apostle that wrote this, could have said serving him, but he did. He could have said instead of adding to your godliness, add serving. But he chose to say brotherly affection. Because brotherly affection is about letting godliness flow through us. It is Christ's own love for his people. And that doesn't come without steps two to six, as we saw them in the previous episode. You know, as, you, as you become a Christian, you choose Christ. You, you say, you know what, I need to understand him. You get the knowledge. You leave just the knowledge you've gotten. You get to practice it. That is the self-control. It is through the self-control that you build that strong mindset and worldview and character, which is godliness. Now, all that, the culmination of everything you've learned and practiced, you're going to leave it out. Leave as in show it out. Share it out. Brotherly affection isn't just giving and serving. It's the commitment to ministry as a way of life. And when you reach this step, ministry isn't just a Sunday morning job or a daily, I mean, but a daily mission. Now, it isn't very easy. I need to point this out. Because when we look at ministry, when we look at somebody that gives out their time, that spares out their own resources to help another fellow Christian, isn't something that, you know, we're so used to. And many times a question comes in mind, how do I benefit? I would have given you the, you know, the equivalence of in my local language. And many people always come up with that question, where is my benefit? Where is my cup? How do I even benefit? Yes, I'm going to you know, spend time and say I'm going to go and serve in church. If I've studied this kind of topic, I'm going to go and teach it to someone else. If I know this better, I'm going to go and help someone. If someone is in a problem, someone is in a tough situation and I'm able to counsel them, I'm going to do it for free. It's not something you easily walk by in church. It is even so absurd that the non-believers out there are more into helping each other. They share, they give out their own resources and time to help another person. Yet the church doesn't. <laughs> a while ago, I remember, I had a friend who shared the same school in Ayurveda. And we both liked debating, so even after school, we continued being friends on Facebook and WhatsApp. And one day she goes and posts in her status, WhatsApp status, and says, she considers, I'm paraphrasing, she says, I would really want to try out Islam because Christianity hasn't helped me in any way. Now, my dear friends, if you know, if you've ever posted something that has a serious message on your wall, 
I've endeavored to come in your books, in your messages, and try to ask, why are you saying this? Is it serious? Because I've learned to not take lightly the words that people use or that people speak or post on their words. There is always a message and a real life situation. So I read this and I'm compelled to go and ask her. I ask her, what is really going on? Why would you say such? Because I know you, you love, you know, your faith, you're a Christian like me. Then why would you get a point of, I am considering this one? She was very bitter and said, it is true. Fellow Christians are using you as a stepping stone to get somewhere. A fellow Christian would know your plan and sabotage it. A fellow Christian would look at you struggling and all they can do is tell you, I'm praying for you. A fellow Christian is someone who tells, I have lost a loved one. And all they are going to tell you is, may their soul rest in eternal peace praying for you. And when it gets to WhatsApp, it's even so fake that people send this uh, controversial emoji. That one with hands, we think are praying hands. Okay, many people think that is actually a high five, but let's leave it at that. It's Christians that send you that message. I've lost my relative. Oh, praying for you. Oh, my condolences. But sometimes people don't even show up when someone is down. As she narrates this, you know, I was no stranger to that kind of treatment from fellow Christians. And along the way, I found out that she was able to understand that she isn't in the faith for what the brothers and sisters will do for her, but because of her personal choice and the desire to have Jesus Christ in her life. But this isn't the right way, my dear friends out there. Ask yourself, how can I use my time, my money, and gifts to build up another Christian today, or tomorrow, or any other day? A lot of us out there are gifted. At a time when I learned, I'm gifted to use speech, to teach. I first thought myself, is this even going to help me? Is it adding anything to me? But I had to learn. It doesn't necessarily have to be for my personal benefit. What God has given you, what God has blessed you with, you are but a steward to it. You are not the owner. God has given some people talents. They are able to sing. I have a friend and I would love to mention her. Her name is Nakandi. Now Nakandi is a name. It's a, a surname, a local name from the Baganda. But I, use, I call her Kandi. This lady is so gifted. If she starts to sing, if she's singing a worship song, you really feel like you are touched. You feel like the message is even now more clear. Even more than uh, how you felt when you listened to the very song from the original composer. And I know of another one called Kamanzi. Now, those of us in Uganda, we know Kamanzi. She is acted on some series on TV and she sings. Kamanzi sings a worship song. She's a talented guitarist as well. And you will listen and feel like, yes, the message is home. People like those are gifted. 
not necessarily for them to be famous, not necessarily for them to earn money out of it. But as they use it in church, as they use it in a group of believers, someone out there listens to the message. I know of guys who can talk you through your hard times and you feel like, I know of people who are just so uh, generous. I know people you could just reach out to and tell, hey, I have this problem. And there and then, they're going to give you money. If you need food, they're going to come to you with the food. You tell them, I have a function and they have this. They're going to come here for you. It comes easy for them. Just like breathing comes easy to the most of us here. I have friends who are gifted with speech. You listen to the same words from a different person and they make no sense, yet to this very person, same script, you feel like there is a strong message. Guys, you are gifted. You have something that God has given you out there. You might not believe it, but there is something. Maybe you're able to make it laugh. And you're making them laugh, you're helping them get over the stress they've been dealing with. Brotherly affection. Loving, extending that love to a brother in the church. Now you might be asking, hey, Caleb, is the Bible trying to tell, tell us to uh, live out of non-Christian people? No. We are going to talk about that. For now, Christian family, share your love. Share what God has blessed you with. Especially your gifts, your resources. Some of the wise men, the richest men, believe money isn't what brings happiness in life. It's actually people. Now you might wonder, I have a lot of friends in life. How come I'm not happy? Maybe not in the way you want to understand this. But most of the happiest people are those who tell you they use what they have, who they are, all their abilities to impart into other people. Not just for themselves, choose to do that. If you find time and pray to me or any other day, ask God, who are you going to put into my life today that I can help walk further this journey? How do I help someone? God, who are you going to bring to mind that I can pray for, call, or write a letter, or encourage? We have WhatsApp, we have Facebook, we have people's numbers. But I wouldn't even want to run to statistics to tell you that these days people actually make less calls and send more of messages. But a call does really hold you for many times. Spare that airtime. Call someone. Find a friend and call them. Ask yourself, how can I serve you, God, with these unexpected bonuses, commission, all funds? Sometimes you get money unexpectedly. Sometimes you're planning to get 20000 and sort out a problem. You just need 10 US dollars to handle this. And then, boom, you have 50 US dollars. How are you going to help someone? People are in need. Great in need that you might even think of. Yesterday, some news broke out of one famous guy. His name was Truth Boss. 
Now if you've been a fanatic of movies, he's acted in a movie called, I think it's Tom Sayer. He's a dancer, he's been a very good dancer and a, a former DJ at, at a LA DeGeneres show. He also watch international uh, programs like that. He's a, com- a comedian, LA DeGeneres is a comedian. And Twitch was a DJ. He committed suicide. I haven't really followed to know why. But for a celebrity, somebody you look up to and assume they have it all figured out, they are okay. He committed suicide. In Uganda today, during the COVID-19 lockdown, a number of youths were reported. They took their own because they were dealing with something. Sad enough, the people they called friends didn't come to for them. I tell you this, there is nothing more than, there is nothing that brings greater joy than you choosing to live out of your happy moment, out of your comfort zone, to extend what you have and help someone. Ministry is the result of maturity. We can serve him if you're not becoming like him. Choose to be like him. Choose to, if you're choosing to serve God, then let it not just be, I'm going to make, and I'm going to do ministry. Do it because you are trying to be like Christ, to extend out the love. And much as a Christian may engage in serving and giving uh, long before this step, it takes some growth and maturity before we serve with a life motivation, which is Christ's own love. And along the path, that we are discussing. Anyone can act as a guide for those around us. But at this point, helping Christians grow becomes our purpose and passion. We need to understand that your life in Christianity, your life as a believer in Christ, doesn't hold as much meaning until you decide to use what Christ has given you to serve someone else, to help to render that love to someone else. A question, how about the non-believers, the Muslims? You have many friends who are not Christians. Today, this episode was for brotherly affection. Join me again on the next episode as we talk about how about for the non-believer. There is room for that as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. I love you and Christ loves you. Above all, share that love. Have a nice day.